welcome to the Imbalance podcast series, hosted by Brady Technologies, your guide to short-term power markets in Europe and beyond. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this month's edition of Brady's podcast. Myself and Murray Rennie will be talking today. Our colleague Dimitri is off revising for some exams he's taking later in the week, so good luck to Dimitri out there. Myself and Murray today will be talking about market price caps and actually a different slant on it, on how they affect your electricity bill and really the differences between now and 10 years ago and why everyone out there needs different software for energy trading. Welcome, Murray. Morning, Chris. Morning, Chris. Interesting topics this, this month, I think. Indeed. Very very poignant for everyone out there who um, is a bit shocked at their rise in their electricity bills. So just a recap... Um, There is a thing called the price cap where the government decided that um, energy prices were too high and there was lots of windfall taxes by people. So they worked out a formula based on the wholesale market price of energy of how much it would cost for suppliers to buy energy and to supply it to their customers, a fair profit margin, and then put that as the maximum price that you were allowed to charge. Simultaneously, suppliers are expected not to have great differences between their highest price tariff and their lowest price tariff which had against the desired effect of lowering higher price tariffs, it actually rose the lowest price tariff so the differential wasn't there. Now, one of the cited reasons that the supplier bulb went under was because the price cap wasn't evolving fast enough compared to the way that they had designed their business model and their strategy. So if I was to think about price caps, I would probably start with what the electricity bill is formed of. So, Murray, do you know what the electricity bill is formed of, or would you like me to go through one of the breakdowns on the internet? I actually didn't know, Chris, until I did some research for this over the weekend. And let's be honest, I was slightly surprised by the breakdown of it. So, yeah, I think it, I think there'll be a lot of people out there, given I've been in the industry for 25 years and was shocked, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who won't actually know what goes into to forming their electricity bill. Okay, so for for my example, I'm going to use um, SSE's breakdown. I worked at EDF Energy for years, so I don't want to be biased and always go to them. And I'm going to have a look at SSE's. So, of the overall bill, only thirty percent, thirty six percent, sorry, of the electricity is going toward the hot. Sorry, let me start again. Only thirty six percent of the total bill that you receive at home is for the buying of the wholesale electricity. So that means that if you saw reports of prices going up, prices going down, well, actually only 36% of your bill is going up and down. 24% of it is a transportation. So that's paying for the wires that keep the network running. Now, in that bill as well, 20% will be essentially billing and customer service in IT. So 20% of your bill is to bill you. Now, this is the one that's going to really annoy people. 13%, so not you know disproportionate to all the other bits, 13% is your contribution towards government, environmental, and social schemes. And this will be things like um, kind of the, the Green Deal and stuff like this. So your bill will be putting money aside to insulate the homes of the less advantaged people. Finally, get 5% VAT, and then the overall profit on a supply business is around 2%, and that's kind of an industry-accepted number. So if you think about um, all of the high prices that people have been talking about, etc., actually, those high prices are only down to movement in 36% of the bill. 
which is quite shocking, really, isn't it, Murray? Yeah, that was the bit that took me took me by surprise. I was expecting that to be up at least 50-60%. And uh, yeah, that and the um, social environmental obligation as well, that sort of set me back. So people think they're getting all these um, these green deals and things without realising it's actually a bit of a stealth tax and it comes back to haunt them in other ways. Indeed. I was just looking at um, various tariffs out there and electricity costs about 20 pence a kilowatt and gas costs about 4 pence a kilowatt. And that's because all of those stealth taxes on the Green Deal, etc., is levied on your electricity bill. And also, the price of carbon is really factored into your electricity bill and not the burning of the gas that creates the electricity. So again, it's, it's quite a disproportionate taxing of the electricity part of the gas bill. But Murray, has there been some really high price days that have caused the rises in prices and the rise recently in the price cap? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, I think every, everybody's aware because it's been in it's been in the press so much. It's in the, been in the news about how just how volatile wholesale prices have been. But as you as you mentioned there, Chris, um, a lot a large part of your bill is actually in the network costs and that whole cost of supplying it, and also in balancing the system. There's a charge out there known known as BCOS, which is balancing services use of system to give it its its full name, and um, that's effectively what people what suppliers have to pay back for to make sure that the system's balanced so, so any decision national grid the TSO has to make on the day and yeah and certainly since the start of September when we saw the volatile prices some we've seen the highest 10 days and um balancing mechanism as it's called in GB uh, expensive days including a shocking 63.3 million on the 24th of November which is which is incredible that's like 18 eight, it was a 42% increase on the previous highest day which um, I actually my initial reaction was that was that was around Storm Arwen time but actually it was before Storm Ar- Arwen so I think it shows the fact that um, people have this idea about renewable energy being cheap and being free but a lot of our renewable energy sources are not in the areas of um, large population. So if you've got a lot of wind in the north of Scotland where there's not a lot of people to use the electricity, actually National Grid have to take really expensive balancing actions to turn off these wind farms to make sure that there's not some sort of emergency on the system and also to keep the frequency at the required rates. So yeah, so the 10 highest days since the new British electricity arrangements came in in 2001 have been in the last three months. So incredible, really. That's that's amazing, Murray, because if I think about that price, that would have been um, in the price of electricity. And I think of the price of electricity in pounds per megawatt hour. So a typical price for electricity would be between 50 pounds per megawatt hour and say 200 pounds per megawatt hour. But a Basuos spike like that shared out across all of the people in the system, that would be like 20, 30 pounds plus of pursuos on top of, say, 100 pounds a megawatt hour um, electricity prices for a 30% uplift. Now, when I was young and I was trading when the market opened um, in 2001 and through the next 10 years, the way I calculated pursuos was I assumed it was around pound ninety-five and added it to the price of wholesale. Yeah. That's that's pretty similar to what I was on. I actually took took a little bit of look at um, Busios prices, the average Busios price over a couple a number of years. So I went um, pre-pandemic and looked at April eighteen to March 
2019 and your average price was just around £3. But so far in this calendar year, the average price is well over double. And it's key to say here, the average, what average, the keyword here is average price. That's not including the really spiky days when you're seeing some horrifically large numbers for PCOS. Indeed. And when I, when I also think about um, another service that Grid procure and then gets into the end bill, I think about frequency response contracts. So the fact that um, the Grid has to keep the system frequency at 50 hertz, they used to do this all for a thing called mandatory frequency response, where all of the big dispatchable power stations, be they coal, gas, possibly nuclear, but not normally, would actually just slightly respond their load to frequency in primary response. And they'd have to do that for a mandatory um, service, which was relatively low price. I also was never worried about the cost of frequency response. It was a small addition as part of those non-energy costs. But nowadays, I'm seeing the frequency response contracts, because the system is naturally lower inertia, i.e. we haven't got synchronized assets anymore, we've got wind and solar, is actually going crazy as well. And I'm seeing in excess of £20 again for firm frequency response. Have you seen anything on that, Murray? Yeah, I have. I've been looking at some looking at some market, market data on that. And um, I remember, like you, those days, Chris, when... Um, it was effectively written into your grid co- your grid code, so you, you didn't really know what frequency response prices were. I also remember the time when um, that suddenly became a market and people could could you could bid into it and change your prices. So that made a difference. But yeah, just looking at I've been looking at some things on the weekly auction for frequency for frequency response and seeing prices now, and I'm looking actually in the last sort of week or so. Um, trading up and being clearing through the auction, it's around about twelve pounds, which is massive compared to what we what we remember in our days. I mean, that's um, that's phenomenal. I mean, if I if I look at there was an article by Gore Street um, on frequency response, and it basically said. Um, revenues were hitting all-time high it was on the energy storage news website and they were essentially saying they're in a windfall period where their battery um, portfolio is averaging in excess of 20 pounds per megawatt per hour let's just think two years ago that was five six pounds just to provide frequency response so the build case for batteries is getting stronger and stronger um, especially with these um, frequency response and ancillary service contracts yeah, I, I had to look at that article as well. It's just, I think it's really interesting. It's definitely sending some market signals out there that if you can build some sort of flexible storage, then there is an absolutely a demand for it at the minute, which is what we want to see in the market. Indeed. So if I if I think about it from our perspective, so myself and Murray work, Murray work for Brady Technologies. We are an energy trading software company. And we have products that serve customers for longer-term trading and shorter-term trading. What myself and Murray has described is a market with price caps, with BCOS volatility, with frequency response volatility, with huge concentration of risk in days um, as a result of renewables penetration and slower build-out of batteries. What does that really mean for energy trading software? So Murray, when when you were back early days trading, what what system did you use, and how did you use it to do your hedge positions? This shows this this shows my age here. I used a really old, really old and uh, Brady system as it was at the time, or the previous company before Brady bought it over, um, called Ingrid, which was a very very. I'm going to. It wasn't simple because it did a did a lot of our position monitoring and thing. 
but it only really looked at the megawatts that we had to that the state the power stations would generate and what we'd sold. It didn't take into account any of these other products that we're starting to see see available, the ancillary services side of things. Exactly. I, I saw the similar thing. I used a product called um Zynet, which was bought by FIS and is now known as a line. And essentially that product allowed us to, if we wanted, upload forecasts of what the stations were going to do, deduct off our sales and kind of understand our net open position. Now, it was great for working out kind of the VAR and the risk, etc. But also I, I never really uploaded a non-energy cost forecast to work out what price I should be selling at. I never really uploaded um, the cost of balancing the system on my customer side. And I never really thought about the variation in my portfolio because I had lots of renewables because I just had some very fixed assets that kind of just uploaded a forecast and said, my nuclear will be here, I'm going to run my coal like this, my gas like this. So it was great for those days. But in terms of these markets, probably a lot more difficult. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really can't imagine how using that old system and the, and the current with the current products products and things that are going on out there. I just I couldn't imagine that working at all. Like you, we just use static values because things didn't change and you didn't have to consider it. Whereas I think the energy trader of today has a lot more to take into consideration around dispatching of their assets and when and where they should be trading. Indeed. Well, that brings me on to um, Brady's latest ETRM, and that's Igloo. So last year, Brady purchased Igloo Trading, um, a fantastic provider of an ETRM software, which is now the, the lead Brady ETRM. Um, that's quite different from the days when I was thinking about trading because in that you can think about strategy books, you can have live position reports, you can, asset, you can set assets into books against positions so you can see where you are there, but also you can break down into that granularity of what might happen in those super peaks. And what I mean by that is you don't really get an appropriate hedge if you sell out like 24 by 7 baseload power against a variable asset where prices might be very, very high for a couple of hours of the day and low for the rest of the day. So you're able to investigate and break down those positions much more effectively than some of the larger older generation ETRMs or trading risk management systems. And I, I see that as really designed for the day of people running intermittent generation like wind, but adding in batteries or just being traders who want to trade on this volatility, and the, and also really being cognizant of the cost of delivery as well could impact prices. Yeah, I totally agree with you there, Chris. I think it's now now it's not just a case of thinking thinking of how you of dispatching your assets. It's about how you dispatch your assets and when's the optimal time to do that. And then thinking about what we're developing in Brady with PowerDesk, um, can you take us through how? Um, assets might have different markets they can trade in and, and what the um, concept of stackability is, Murray. Yeah, absolutely. This is something I think we've, we've certainly spoken about it in a lot of detail, Chris. And I think it's a concept that people are people are starting to understand in the market. And I think it's something because we've, we've, we're getting ahead of the game on it, that's something that's going to be really useful. So what we're, th- what we're doing within PowerDesk is considering the idea of the fact that each station or asset will have a strike price or a marginal cost and that that's the marginal cost being the, the value which you look to dispatch an asset or increase or decrease generation but what we're trying to do is take a whole portfolio 
and rather than the trader having to know the strike price for each one of these individual assets because we understand now that portfolios are getting bigger as people are adding smaller and smaller assets what we're trying to do is display this in a way that the trader can see if the price moves by a certain amount how much volume they have to trade rather than understand rather than having to know the strike price for each of these assets and i think and displaying that in a way to the trader so they've got that up to date information in front of them as they need it without them having to do it and do any manual process to get it in I think that's really interesting. I think the fact that we're going to be moving from large generation assets into smaller assets, that we have to add them all up um, and making sure that the trader is not expected to remember all of those power stations when they've moved from a book of like 10 power stations to a book of 100 little power stations is really, really valuable. But also what I was thinking, Murray, is when I was trading coal power stations, I looked at the price of coal. I worked out that for coal... um, I needed to use 36% efficiency to convert the energy. I, you need to use a fixed price. And later on, as carbon came in, I knew that for one tonne of coal burnt, I would produce 0.4 tonnes of carbon dioxide, and I priced that in. I added my £1.95 for Bisuos, and I understood what I could trade at. But nowadays, it's really interesting. When I think about a battery, the cost of the, the sale is actually... you know it's the cost of the charge divided by 0.89 for the efficiency and that gets you to the export but that's actually not what we should be trading at because you could put that into the wholesale markets or you could sell that into ancillary services as well so in PowerDesk we make sure that the way the power trader looks at his assets or her assets is they look at the value of the asset first of all in the wholesale market but then in alternative markets like frequency response markets, reserve markets, etc., so that they can really choose which market they're going to make the most money out of their assets. And I believe you've been key in developing the stacking of an ancillary service in Norway called MFRR with wholesale to give the trader the option to move in and out of ancillary and wholesale markets. Can you take us through that, Murray? Yeah, absolutely, of course. I think this is a really interesting thing. And... um I think as way of background, it's part of the saying this is part of the whole European European energy, the idea of a, of a harmonised market. This is the first step that the Nordic market, and in particular, this has been focused on Norway to start with, but the theory is the same for the rest of the Nordic customer, the Nordic, the Nordic region and our customers in the Nordic region. So the idea being that um, the trader needs to know what they've got, what they sold into the, all the all the available markets. What what is their net true net open position, so that they can have a look at what what what's the best market for them? Is it this MFRR market, which is kind of equivalent in the GB market to the balancing mechanism, or is the best value to have there in the wholesale or the intraday continuous market? And what we do in PowerDesk is that. If the trader decides that they think there's better value in the wholesale market and they make a trade, well, we automatically update these ancillary service bids and send them through to the TSO. So it's taking some of that manual process or the the part where the trader's not thinking about what the best thing to do is. So we take that, that part of them out of their hands and allows them to focus on adding the value to the portfolio, allowing them to see where, where can you do your trading or do you stick 
take that volume and put it into the MFRR market where we were definitely seeing, in, especially in Sweden at the minute, there's been a massive, massive price swing towards that market. I, I think that, you know, that's a, that's a good correlation with what we started the podcast on, that you're, you're now working on PowerDesk and looking at, well, I can monetize my assets, both in a, in a service, which we said was, what, 20, 20 odd percent of the bill, or in wholesale, which was 36% of the bill. And being able to swap between the two maximizes the value of the portfolio for the trader, which in turn should bring down the overall price of energy to the customer because you're putting the right assets in the right markets at the right time. And that one, I believe, is, is um, currently live in a cut-down version, and we're just about to upgrade that and go live in the Nordic region with PowerDesk. Is that right, Murray? That's, that's, that's correct. I think the, um, the cut-down version has been live for a few months now, so we're, we're intending to go live in the next few weeks with um, sort of the... The first version, the first full release of this, of this PowerDesk product in the Nordic region, and looking to expand on that with them um, upcoming changes in that um, MFRR market, where things again are going to be coming a little bit more dynamic, and preparing the Nordic market for the change in imbalance settlement down from one hour to fifteen minutes, where we think PowerDesk will add even more help to the trader and allow them to maximize their revenues wow so i think for me a summary of what we've talked about today is we started off talking about the fact that everyone's seen in the news that the the market price cap has gone up but instead of just talking about the effect on the people at home we actually talked about why that happened and what's happened in the market the fact that yes we have much higher wholesale prices but actually we have much higher balancing costs and also much more volatile or focused price rises in the markets. We talked about how battery companies like Gore Street are making most of their money from ancillary services like a frequency response, helping to balance a system which was pretty much seen as a, an almost free service for myself and Murray 10, 20 years ago. And then we looked at the kind of portfolios that myself and Murray would be trading in the early days of the electricity system in the 2000s and 2010s, and we realized that if you had an older static ETRM, like an open link, like an FIS align, etc., then you're going to end up thinking about your portfolio in a much more static way. But if you want to trade renewables, if you want to hedge your exposure to frequency response and ancillary service bikes, as well as non-energy costs, as well as the volatility of those intraday positions, then you need to look at Brady and you need to look at Brady's ETRM Igloo solution. And then if you're taking those positions to delivery, then in the Nordic regions, if you want to maximize your value of MFRR versus wholesale, then you really need to look at Brady's power desk. And in the GB market, where most of this volatility in Europe has been seen recently, you really need to be considering whether you want to continue trading your portfolio like you did 10, 20 years ago, or whether you want to actually maximize the value across wholesale, ancillary, and other markets with something we call Brady Powerdesk. So Murray, have you got any uh, last words before we close? I, I think this has been a really interesting um, podcast, Chris. This has been exploring things that I think a lot of people out there just seem to take for granted. But it definitely shows that we're in a, we're in a changing environment. And um, as you said, it's, it's where um, software like Brady PowerDesk will really be able to help the energy trader, not just of today, but of tomorrow as we implement all the changes that we're, we're looking to do in PowerDesk. 
Perfect. Thank you, Murray. So if any of our listeners out there have any particular subjects you'd like myself, Murray and Dimitri to talk on, you can always get in contact with us via the Brady um, website, which is bradytechnologies.com. Um, or you can just um, click on the links that our marketing um, person, Nahid, puts into the various podcasts. I'd just like to close in saying what myself, Dimitri and Murray like to do is we like to look at poignant topics in the market at the moment like price rises, like high balancing costs, like price caps, etc. But talk about it from an energy trading point of view or an alternate point of view. Everyone had an opinion on small suppliers going bust, but we had an opinion on how you retrade the position and the difficulties on a small supplier going bust. Everyone had an opinion on price cap rises and the effect of the people at home, but we need to be the people who look at the effect on the traders and the systems they need to keep the prices down. So thank you everyone out there. Please keep listening. And again, Please send us any topics you want us to talk about. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Brady's short-term power or curve trading solutions, visit www.bradytechnologies.com.